Coming up on today's show, we'll take a look ahead to the matchup between two 8-7 and seven teams at Lumen Field this Sunday. The Steelers coming in to visit the Seahawks. I'll be talking to Jeff Hartman of the Steel Curtain Network. Go behind enemy lines, as it were. Find out where the Steelers stand as they have struggled a bit in this second half. They are on the outside looking in for an AFC playoff spot, but still a chance to get into the playoffs. There is a lot on the line this Sunday between two very similar teams. I'll be talking Seahawks and Steelers with Jeff Hartman coming up today on Seahawks Forever. Welcome to the Seahawks Forever podcast. In-depth analysis on everything Seahawks. And now here's your host. Dan Viennes. If you would, please, if you're watching on YouTube, like this video and subscribe to the channel so you always get notifications of new episodes and it also helps support the channel if you like what I do. If you prefer audio podcasts, Seahawks Forever is available on all of the audio platforms. And if you prefer Spotify, or even if you don't, but you want to listen to audio episodes without ads, you can do that. For just 99 cents a month right now, you can subscribe on Spotify. I will put that description, uh, that link in the description. Um, and also, if you just want to support me and you like what I do, you can buy me a coffee or a beer at buymeacoffee.com. Shout out to Josh this week. Uh, bought 12 beers for me. Josh, I truly appreciate it. Thank you so much for supporting the show. Uh, I will put those to good use. Uh, let's get to this Sunday's game. The Seahawks and Steelers, both eight and seven. The Seahawks, if the playoffs started today, would be in. The Steelers would be out. On the outside looking in, things are a little bit more jumbled at the end of the playoff race in the AFC. But so many similarities between these two teams. Long-tenured head coaches who, who like to build around running games and tough defense, but who have both struggled in those two areas this year, who have gotten inconsistent play on offense this year, whose fan bases have grown restless with their head coaches and don't think that they're performing at the level that as fans they would like to see. They have had to rely on their backup quarterbacks to come in and win a game or two this year in order to keep them alive in the playoff race. So much to get to. And when I say that I'm speaking with Jeff Hartman today, technically he asked me to be on his show today, but he allowed for a little back and forth. I was able to ask, ask him some questions as well and get some insight from him. Um, and so let's get to the, the, that. This is the conversation that I had uh, just moments ago with Jeff Hartman of the Steel Curtain Network looking at this Sunday's game. All right, folks, it is time for another Behind Enemy Lines segment here on the Friday morning show on the Let's Ride podcast. And I'm excited to have Dan Viennes on from the Seahawks Forever podcast to talk about Week 17 opponent for the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Seattle Seahawks. Dan, welcome to the show. How's it going? It's going good. Thanks for having me on, Jeff. We've been uh, chatting about this for a while or about some other things and following mm -hmm. each other on Twitter. So it's good to finally get together for a good reason. Yeah, absolutely. And this is one of those contests where there is some history between these two teams. I mean, you talk about <laughs> Super Bowl 40. I know Seattle fans still like to talk about Super Bowl 40. Uh, but nonetheless, there, there's some history also within the current roster and, and former yeah. Steelers that are there. Uh, but I do want to ask about Super Bowl 40 before we get started. I'm not going to bring up the game and talk about specific plays or anything like that. Sure. But the, from the fan perspective, like when the Seahawks fan hears anything about the Steelers, the response is what? Refs, calls. <laughs> I mean, that's it. And I'm glad you brought it up because I was going to anyway, just kind of as to give some context 
uh, to your, yeah. to your listeners and viewers. It's, uh, I'm one of those rare ones. I'm in the mi- minority that from the day that that game happened, I've never blamed it on the refs. The The Seahawks lost that game completely on their own. It, it really came down to a, a badly blown coverage on a trick play and uh, mm-hmm. a horrendous interception from Matt Hasselbeck when, when we were driving late with a chance to, to take the lead. And, you know, the, the detractors will say, yeah, but that interception came after the miss, uh, the holding call on Sean Locklear on the throw to Jeremy Stevens down at the one. And so it, one led to the other. It's still, even with some of the things we were up against in that game and, and uh, losing our uh, Marquan Manuel as our starting safety certainly didn't help during the game, but we lost that game all on our own. It, it doesn't make it that much easier to accept. Um, but I think it's ridiculous to blame that game on the refs. And, and also while I'm at it, like the offensive PI call against Daryl Taylor or, uh, Daryl Taylor is on our current roster, uh, but it's it absolutely was the right call. You know, it doesn't get called all the time, but that doesn't mean it wasn't a penalty. Right. So Seahawks fans, if they're listening to this, can just you know just need to finally put that to bed. And since then, they have won a Super Bowl, so that might lessen the blow a little bit. It's not like they're the Browns who have never even won one, but that's neither here nor there. Yeah, and, and also we we have since then uh, acquired another Super Bowl loss that is much more painful. And so <laughs> yeah. it makes it a little I, I'm easier. I'm not going to get into that one. <laughs> it makes it easier to forget <laughs> Super Bowl 40, yeah. All right, let's talk about this upcoming game, Week 17. Yeah. I find it very intriguing for so many reasons. Both of these teams are still clinging to playoff hopes. The Seattle approach, I feel, I think they're, correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm not as keen on the NFC as I am the AFC. Their road to the postseason is much more cleaner than Pittsburgh's. Pittsburgh's got to win out, and they need some help. Um, But still, eight and seven, there's been some good, there's been some bad this season. In terms of where you feel the team is heading, in terms of trajectory, Mike Tomlin loves to talk about their arrows pointing up or down. Where is the arrow pointing for the Seahawks heading into week 17, in your opinion? Uh, I think the most frustrating part about following, covering, rooting for the Seahawks this year has been that that arrow has just been flatlined. It's just been, it's just been heading horizontally. Um, it's a yeah. team that doesn't feel like it's as good as the sum of its parts should be, at least that most of us feel it should be. That the pieces are there, that the, the roster's talented, uh, it's pretty balanced. It's young. There's some dynamic talent there, um, but they just have it hasn't all come together, and that's that's not really like what we're used to seeing from a Pete Carroll coach team. They typically get better as the season goes along, and and that doesn't seem to be happening. Maybe it is, and 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 that's why I'm so intrigued by this matchup Sunday because you know coming out of that really really tough four game stretch that the Seahawks had against the best in the NFC and. And they've strung together a couple of wins now, and 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 you get tantalized by by the little bits and pieces that you see. But if this team wants to have any confidence going into the playoffs, if they make the playoffs, that they could do some damage, we need to see a clean game. We need to see one complete performance against either the Steelers or the Cardinals, preferably both, obviously. Um, and and so it's that's the frustrating thing here in Seattle is we just haven't seemed to get over the hump and put all the pieces together on defense and offense. And I'm intrigued by this game too, because the closer I look at it and the harder I look at it, there's just a ton of similarities, an incredible yeah. amount of parallels between the paths these two teams are on. So I can't wait to get to Sunday. 
Well, if you're talking about parallels, are the Seahawks on offense as boring as the Steelers are on offense? Because the Steelers have only put up over 30 points one time this year, and it happened last week against the Bengals at home with, guess who, Mason Rudolph at quarterback. So (laughs) not really headlining headline stuff there, but um, is the offense of the Seahawks, how are they looking? Is Geno Smith back to full health? Like, What's the deal there? Yeah, Steeler fans must be kind of wondering if they – really saw what they saw on Sunday, right? After yeah. just explosive plays all over the field in that one, where were those, right? Um, I guess they were sitting on the bench, maybe on the, on the end of the quarterback room. Um, yeah, Seahawks have been different in that. Uh, I wouldn't say it's ever boring. It just, uh, it seems dysfunctional at times and, and it seems disconnected at times. We're used to seeing, you know, Pete Carroll football teams be able to run the football consistently and they've invested a ton in running backs the last couple of years and in offensive line. And, um, and, and it just hasn't come together this year. We've seen, we see little, again, we see teases. Uh, we see a play here or there or a quarter here or there, but we haven't seen a complete game where the run game has really dictated things. When we do see it, then it all seems to work better, such as in the third quarter, especially but in the second half against the Eagles, they were able to kind of dictate terms be physical and own the line of scrimmage. And we haven't seen that enough this year when that's happening. Uh, then everything else seems to, to work in sync, which, you know, I'm not reinventing the wheel here. That's probably the case for most teams in the NFL, but um, the frustrating part from our end of when the Geno Smith injury occurred is after some early season struggles, it really seemed like he had found something and, and um, some things were clicking for him. He was playing exceptionally well. Um, Hopefully what we saw in the second half against the Titans, certainly in that game-winning drive, will carry over um, because for for whatever other people around the country might think may have been a quarterback controversy here because Drew Locke pulled off that win on Monday Night Football against the Eagles. Uh, we never felt like there was one here. Geno's the guy, and certainly if we're going to get into the playoffs and do any damage, he needs to be playing well. Yeah, and when I think of Seattle, and, and I think they have a tremendous receiving core with Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, and Smith and Jigba, like a really good top three, in my opinion. Everyone always thinks about defense, and it's probably the Legion of Boom era and, and all the great sure. defensive units they've had there. But I, I don't know much about this current defense. I'm asking you because, well, I, Steelers don't play FC West too often. Yeah. Um, what's the defense for Seattle looking like? Not good. Uh, that's, that's really been this, the storyline of the season is, um, there was, they were so bad last year, particularly against the run. Um, and, and, and then the, the pass rush has been so inconsistent that they completely changed over their defensive line personnel in this off season. Um, and, and, you know, got rid of everyone that was here, brought in a whole new crew, went out and handed out the largest free agent contract they've ever handed out to Draymond Jones. Um, drafted a couple defensive linemen, brought Jaron Reed back, Mario Edwards, and just completely changed that group. Um, and then brought Bobby Wagner back into the fold in in particular to try to address the run defense. We were excited about the young cornerbacks, the young secondary talent. There was some enthusiasm about Jamal Adams potentially coming back from injury this year. So there was a lot of positive vibes around this team the first couple months of the season. And it looked early on like the defense was was improved. And then Uchenna Nuosu went down. And then teams seemed to start figuring out how to attack us. And it's been it's been better the last couple of weeks, but it still hasn't been good. They, um, they're a little too easy to run the football against. 
They play a lot of zone coverage that most of us feel like isn't aggressive enough. Um, teams can move the football against the Seahawks. Um, it's it, It's been frustrating. Now, that being said, Jamal Adams has been out the last couple of weeks and things have gotten better. So I'll let you kind of... <laughs> Do the math. There. Well, I have to. <laughs> Since we're talking about defense, I have to ask you yeah. about two former Steelers that the Steelers could be seeing big time uh, next this Sunday is Artie Burns, which I didn't even know he's still in the league. Yeah. And Devin Bush, of course, very familiar sure. with him. And I have to say this you know, I used to work for SB Nation. And when Devin Bush was sold, fifth year option was not being picked up and he was going to be a free agent, when he signed with Seattle, I was asked five questions from an opposing editor. I'm not with them anymore. I'm not with Vox Media at all. But when I asked them, they, they kept on asking questions. You had first round pick, top 10 pick. Yes, all those things are true. But I painted a picture of a guy who's not the same athlete that he was when he was drafted out of Michigan in 2019. He's not the same player since he tore up his knee. And I was said, oh, you are, you are just mad that you let him go. <laughs> no, they had contractual options for him and they chose not to take them. And there was a reason why. I don't know if Devin Bush has done much of anything. Has he for Seattle? I think I looked at his stat line. It was pretty mundane as if he doesn't see the field very often. Yeah, it's been an unusual year. Very up and down. There have been weeks where he's been a healthy scratch just because, um, wow. it, first of all, when he when he was brought in, it was primarily as a hedge against Jordan Brooks not being 100% to start the season. Coming off a okay. former first-round draft pick, coming off an ACL injury, um, you know, I know there's been advancements in medicine, but it, it was unbelievable to see him not only out there for week one, but without a knee brace, running full speed. And until he re-injured his ankle this week against Tennessee, uh, I think was playing the best football of his career. It was remarkable. So, so that took away some opportunities for Devin Bush. And then there were times where the Seahawks, who primarily now are a 3-4 team, they've kind of transitioned the last couple of years. Um, so they mostly only play with two down linebackers. Uh, there were times though against certain teams and this last Sunday in Tennessee was one of them where Devin Bush started the game alongside Jordan Brooks and Bobby Wagner and they went to more four, three stuff mm, okay. uh, in obvious rundowns. So it's, it's been very hit and miss based on uh, based on that week's game plan when he has played, he's been fine. I, I mean, he's better yeah. than any other linebacker they have on the roster. He's better than John Radigan or Patrick O'Connell or Drake Thomas, who, uh, some promising young guys, but uh, he hasn't, he hasn't been a liability. Certainly uh, after yeah. Brooks went down Sunday, he seems, you know, to be moving fine. He seems to be, you know, sideline to sideline. And, and I'm not as familiar with his career in Pittsburgh, obviously as you are, but I do know that he had a dynamic rookie year. And before the injury, yes. he was an explosive player. His Michigan tape is phenomenal. It's so much fun to watch. Oh yeah. He's not that player, absolutely. but I think he's, he's fine. He's on a one-year deal. He's a guy that'll probably spend the rest of his career. It kind of feels like doing that. Um, and maybe there's even an opportunity for him to come back to Seattle again next year. Cause Bobby has said he's going to be year to year. And, and it kind of feels like this might be the last one. Um, and Jordan Brooks contract status is up in the air too. They declined his fifth year option after he was hurt. So, but we may find out a lot more this weekend because it sure doesn't seem like Brooks is going to play. And so Devin Bush would be in line to start next to Bobby. That's really interesting. Now you had told me uh, before we before we came on the air, you had some questions for me, uh, for your listeners out there that you're going to repurpose yeah. this audio. Do you have anything on the top of your head that you want to pick my brain about? Yeah, I mean, primarily, I want to know uh, how you feel about the quarterback situation because from afar, 
first of all, it's such an interesting quarterback room. It might be the deepest quarterback room in the league, but are any of these guys franchise quarterbacks? You know, the old saying that if you have two quarterbacks, you don't have one, right? Exactly. I I guess that applies even more when you have three, you have, you know, (laughs) two first round draft picks and what was Mason Rudolph a second or a third? I mean, he was third. Yeah. Got him in the third. Yeah. 2018. Uh, After a prolific college career at Oklahoma state, it's, um, and you know, there was a time where he was thought of as the heir apparent to Ben Roethlisberger at one time. Correct. Mm-hmm. I've never been yeah. a huge Kenny Pickett fan. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just a perception thing. Cause the gloves, I mean, he, I know he's got the small hands. It just doesn't feel like he has a, an electric or a dynamic arm to play at this level, but he has his moments. My thought is when, when I saw, there was a report last week that he was in line to start this week. Now it seems more uncertain. Is that because of Rudolph's performance Sunday and they're not sure? Where do you stand on the quarterback? Which one would you prefer to have out there on Sunday? I think that, uh, I think you have to go with the hot hand if that's what you want to call it. You you put up 30 points for the first time since, I think, two, well, they had the best offensive performance since almost 2017. Yeah. And that's how, I mean, you have to go back to like Ben Roethlisberger's in his in his prime we're not talking 2020 ben roethlisberger in the waning years of his career um but it, it, it's been a rough stretch for quarterback play since roethlisberger hung it up and the steelers are still like you, you yeah maybe deep but it's deep with mediocrity like none of these guys are going to light the world on fire uh you just hope that you're putting out the best player to give your team the best chance to win and i think you can't underscore the fact that kenny pickett was limited all last week some quarterbacks, like I mentioned, Roethlisberger, are good enough to not practice and still be able to get in there and play. Kenny Pickett is in his second year. He's not that guy yet. He still needs to mm. practice throughout the week. So unless there's been some improvement, and I said this to all the Steelers fans that wanted to listen, the fact that he wasn't even dressed, he was inactive mm. on Sunday. He wasn't the quarterback three emergency, you know, only break the glass if an emergency. He wasn't even that. So that tells me, told me before Mason Rudolph put up 34 points, through for two touchdowns and all that fun stuff, which was a lot of fun to watch. He wasn't there, Kenny Pickett. He wasn't there health from a health standpoint. So when when Mike Tomlin said on Tuesday, Mason's our guy, we'll see how the week goes with Kenny. My hope is that Kenny Pickett is QB2 in the game. Mason gets to start. That's mm. what I think. I mean, it certainly appears that he might have unlocked George Pickens ceiling. I mean, I mean, after a kind yeah. of a weird season for Pickens, and then there was the whole controversy the week before with the you know, making the business decision yeah. on not blocking and that whole thing. Talk about coming back from that in, in a strong way. Uh, and then I wanted to ask you about the running game because that's that has been the Achilles heels heel of the Seahawks this year, at least since Nwosu's injury. Uh, you know, a couple of good backs there, Najee Harris and, and Jalen Warren. Uh, but it, it, it looks like, you know, nothing pops off the page. It looks like it's been a little inconsistent. What's the state of the running yeah. game there? So if you go back prior to the Bengals win on Saturday last week, they had that three-game losing losing streak to Arizona Cardinals, New England Patriots, and the Indianapolis Colts. And in none of those games did they ever have a consistent running game. When the Steelers can run the ball, and against Cincinnati, they didn't blow the doors off the Bengals in the ground game. They ran for 113, averaging 3.8 yards per carry. That's not earth-shattering. Those aren't earth-shattering numbers. However, they were able to run it well enough that it kept everything in balance, and they ran it well in the second half when they're just trying to kill the clock because you're up 34 to 11. So 
The Steelers, when they can run the ball, is when they have success because they're not going to have to rely on their quarterback play, yeah. which is a bunch of mediocrity, in my opinion. So they're going to come into Seattle, and they're going to try and run the ball. And if they have success, it's going to be the best way to set up the team, both offensively and defensively, for them to be able to do what they want, control the clock, control the time of possession, and hopefully leave with a win, keeping their playoff hopes alive. We'll see if they can do it, though. And then I wanted to ask you about the defense, because when we think of the Pittsburgh Steelers, traditionally, we think of really, you know, hard-nosed physical defenses that usually rank in the top third of the league. This year, in, in a lot of key statistics, they're kind of middle of the pack. And in, in some, you know, yards per game metrics, they're top of the bottom third. That's, we're not used to seeing that. And yet, TJ Watt has, what, 17 stat, sacks? 17, 17 on the sacks, season. Yeah. Highsmith's got another seven or eight. Like, those pieces are still there. What has it been that's kind of uh, kept the defense from from living up to past Steeler standards. I I honestly think that Mike Tomlin, who's a defensive guy, obviously he's looked at this team when they constructed the roster through free agency and the draft, which they had a great draft this year. But they're young; those guys are young, and Joey Porter Jr. is coming into his own. But you're asking Patrick Peterson to be a fixture in the secondary. Like he's at the waning years of his career. Like you can't ask him to be the Patrick Peterson of 2015 even. And so I think he said, we're going to build a defense that is Ben don't break. Like we are going to be an opportunistic group. We're going to rely on the big play. So TJ Watt is a big part of that in his yeah. pass pressure. The, and again, like I got talked about the running game for the offense on, on defense. It is the ability to take the ball away. I just talked about this on my Wednesday podcast. The Steelers are have well, they're tied for first in turnover differential of plus ten. So when they take the ball away and they win that differential, they've only lost one game in that regard. When they lose the differential, they've lost every single time. So it's one of those situations where the Steelers, when they can get the ball back to that offense, even though they might need a couple extra possessions, that's the recipe for them to win. And so they're going to rely on High Smith and Watt to if not get to the quarterback, maybe a hurried throw, an yeah. errant throw. And they've done it themselves. I mean, they have. I mean, they've scored touchdowns themselves. And Highsmith came up with a beautiful interception last week of Jake Browning. So they're capable. But the defense is, is bend, don't break. They're going to give up the yards. And, and it's almost as if they've said, that's fine. As long as we keep you out of the end zone and hold you to field goals and not touchdowns that's where they want to thrive. And, and they have done that for the most part. Yeah. And when the offense has responded even a little bit, it's, it's, equate to vict it's equated in victories. We'll put it that way. Is Minka going to be good to go? You know, uh, I, I'm not sure. He says he's going to be limited this week. I, I would say no, but hmm. that's, it's, it's early for that. We'll see. We will see, but I don't know. I want to ask you quickly before we end this segment here, current line. Steelers are getting three and a half on the road and the total of 41 and a half. I don't need a score prediction. I'm just asking you how you think the game's going to play out. God, it's so hard to tell with these two teams. I want to say, um, I think there's a good chance it would be the under that it would be a similar game to what we saw the Seahawks play in Tennessee this weekend, where it's kind of, mm -hmm. kind of ugly, kind of a mutter type game. It's supposed to be some rain Sunday, but it, it doesn't seem like it's going to be significant rain. I don't think it's going to impact the game all that much, but, but it just feels like both these teams have had a hard time really uh, dialing in what they want to do on offense and on, and on defense, they can, you know, I, Seahawks are built the same way. You know, they're much better in the red zone than they are between the twenties. And uh, although they give up more points than the Steelers do or, or have this year, I can see it being one of those ugly games, similar to what the Seahawks have played the last couple of weeks that, that comes down to the, 
the fourth quarter. I just don't see either of these teams coming out and and dominating the other because that's that's not what we've seen this year. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely right. Absolutely right. Well, Dan, I want to give you an opportunity to plug social media, uh, websites, anything that you're doing right now that you might want to draw attention to. Go ahead do that now. I appreciate that. Uh, on Twitter, at Seahawks Forever, if you want to follow me there and get in on some debate and some discourse. Uh, and then Seahawks Forever, the podcast available on all the audio platforms, wherever you listen to podcasts, and also uh, the Seahawks Forever YouTube page. Uh, you can watch the video versions over there. There you go. Dan, thank you for your time. Enjoy the game. Hopefully I'll be talking to you soon. Take it easy. Thank you, Jeff. Appreciate having me on. All right. That was cool talking to Jeff. Appreciate him having me on the show and allowing me to ask some questions back at him. Again, just, I'm just fascinated by this matchup. I'm not scared by it. I'm not, I have no illusions or expectations. I mean this, if you've been following this Seahawks team this year and that's a dumb thing to say. Certainly you have been because you're watching this show. You you can't hang your hat on anything with these Seahawks, right? They they could come out and lay a turd on Sunday. Or they could do what we hope that they'll they'll do, and we've been waiting for them to do over the last six weeks, and we see it in fits and starts and put it all together at home in an important game against an opponent who's in the exact same situation as that, or very similar situation. Hopefully, Devin Witherspoon will be back, and uh, and that'll give the defense a spark as well. Uh, stick around uh, and uh, stay tuned to the show. Make sure you subscribe on all the platforms. Um, I may do something before next week's show. I have some things in mind, but we'll see if I get to them. It's a busy time of year for me outside of content creation uh but regardless either way i will react to the game shortly thereafter or on new year's day so if we don't talk again until after that have a wonderful safe happy new year hope your holidays are treating you well and uh we'll see you soon forever and always go hawks thanks for watching